Super Talk Mississippi media production. What is Moondog? Moondog Makers and Bakers is not just a catering company. It's blended tradition with innovation and something familiar just done differently. To get a taste of what they're truly all about, you can order some awesome merch, crafted spice blends, or request catering for your very own event. MoondogMakersandBakers.com. Welcome in. Good to see you guys on this Wednesday, and I hope all of you are okay after what was a pretty brutal yesterday. Uh, tornadoes all across the state, uh, real ones, active ones, ones that uh, I tried to see from my office, which probably wasn't the best idea. But welcome into Mike in the Morning. I'm Michael Borky. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, as you always do today. I've got a couple of stories for you. Uh, also going to look at regional projections, though. Um, those came out yesterday. Um, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Southern Miss, regional projections, where they are. I think um, these are from D1, uh, the people that I trust the most to do this. Um, there's a couple of things I don't like in these, and I'll explain what I mean uh, coming up. <laughs> JP, I'm not going to circle back to that. that. That was like a one-time advice deal, but uh, anyway... <laughs> Glad, uh, glad to see you. So, welcome in, guys. Um, I hope all of you are safe after yesterday. It was, it was pretty brutal, and um, uh, we especially felt it at the office. So, it's kind of crazy when you've got the news on, and they are highlighting roads that you are currently on. Um, ho- hopefully, none of you have actually experienced that, but you live in Mississippi. Who am I kidding? You've experienced it at some point in your life where uh, there's Bad weather, there's tornadoes, stuff like that popping up, and you turn on the news to see where everything is, and they focus in on your street that you're on right now. And uh, that happened to me yesterday. Uh, luckily, our, our studio is in a really big office, so I didn't ever feel like uncomfortable or anything like that. But uh, because I am technically essential, air quotes, essential, um, I didn't go to the basement like everybody else, and neither did Rhino, who does uh, does the JT show and, and with uh, Rebecca Turner as well. Um, we stayed uh, on the floor where there's a window between us and the outside. Um, everybody else went to the basement, though, in the office. And even though you know I've lived in the South my entire life, you know, been here for over a decade. Um, it's still not easy. It's still unsettling. You know, when they're ushering everybody down to the basement in the office, uh, on our wing, we have like these lights installed that if there is some kind of a tornado warning or something like they, they start flashing and stuff like that. It's always unsettling. But yesterday, so I'm going to sound like such a Karen, please forgive me for this, but I mean, you'll understand where I'm coming from, I think. So my wife yesterday was getting a new cell phone, and she left, oh gosh, about 2 o'clock or so, and then the weather was coming in about 2.45, at least that's when the tornadoes were were going through the Jackson area. And so she's getting her cell phone switched over, so I can't get a hold of her, obviously, because it's doing the whole update thing or, or whatever, where they're transferring the thousands of pictures she has of our son and all that stuff from one phone to the next. So I can't get a hold of her. I'm trying to call her to say, hey, watching the news, 
Like there's a tornado headed straight for me. You know, you're just like a mile north. It's headed for you as well. Like, you know, get into cover or something. I can't get a hold of her. And so I decide to look up the local branch number of the cell phone company that she was using, right? Uh, Because they have stores. And you would think that like a terrestrial location, a brick and mortar storefront of a cell phone company would have a phone number. You know, like where you could call the store and say, hey, like, are you open? Or, hey, when do you close? Or do you have this cover in stock? I don't know. A way that you can actually contact the store to get any kind of information. So with this particular cell phone company, they don't have that. I don't know. You go to their website and all, I mean, it lists where their locations are, but they all have the same number. And when you call the number, it's just a robotic automated system. So I called that automated system and couldn't get through to a single person. It was all robotic the whole time, right? So I am, I'm furious. She's got our year and a half old son. There's a tornado coming for, for the, the area that we're in. I mean, a confirmed tornado, not like, hey, you know, here's a tornado watch, like a bad thunderstorm. No, this was like, hey, we see this thing. Here's a picture of it. It's in Clinton right now, headed directly for you. It was one of those. And I can't get a hold of her. And, I okay, this is the Karen moment. I sent, because this is the only thing I could think of. I sent a direct message to this cell phone company's Twitter account and just let them have it for not having uh, a phone number for their, their location. Because... I mean, I was trying to get in in touch with her. I just wanted to call to make sure she wasn't dead. And I couldn't get a phone number. Crazy. So that was my Karen moment yesterday. Um, I was furious. I sent their poor social media manager. I didn't use bad language, so I didn't go full Karen. I didn't have a meltdown and cuss at a a person whose fault it isn't. But um, they did get a direct message of anger from me. Because I couldn't get in touch with my wife and son for like two hours after a tornado came through. So um, something else weird happened to me. So we had a bunch of tornado damage or or tree damage and stuff in the neighborhood. Um, Yeah, JP, I was a wreck, man. JP says, I never would have guessed you were sweating this on the radio yesterday. Yeah, I was a wreck. Um, And, you know... You know that, like, I knew deep down that she was okay, but I I hadn't gotten, I hadn't heard from her or him in a couple hours. And they had to, like, go into the storage closet of this place. When the tornado was coming through, they had to, they had to go hide. Like, the whole store had to go back into the storage closet. They had to hide. And I I couldn't, couldn't get a phone number. I, I couldn't get in touch with anyone. I was having an internal meltdown yesterday during the radio show. Um, I was quite distracted. I was not mentally there yesterday um, until, you know, my phone rang. But I tried, man. Uh, I tried. But it was like one of those things where somebody looks calm on the outside, but on the inside, their heart's beating really, really fast, you know. Um, The second thing that happened to me yesterday. So our neighborhood uh, got smoked pretty bad. I mean, there were fallen trees and turnover trees and stuff like that everywhere across my entire neighborhood. I mean, it. It was real. I mean, even if the the tornado didn't hit my neighborhood, like there must have been a wall of wind, like 70, 60, 70 mile an hour winds because there were trees everywhere. 
And one of my neighbor's trees fell into my yard and it broke my fence. Um, not too bad. I mean, it didn't do, it did damage for sure. Like the fence is going to need to be repaired. It's not the end of the world, but I mean, as you can hear, I'll show you a picture. And if you're, if you're watching, sorry, I, I hope that'll focus, but no, it's not going to focus. I don't know why, um, but you guys get the point. I mean, you can see it. A pretty significant sized tree fell into my yard. I mean, and it destroyed the fence and, and stuff like that. And it was, I mean, probably like 30 yards long, 40 yards long worth of a, of a tree that fell into my yard. And I went to bed at around 11 last night. And the tree was still there. Like the plan was for me to wake up, call my insurance company, see what they'll do about it, see if they'll send anybody out there. I was going to cut the tree up for firewood. I have a fire pit in the back, so I was going to cut the tree up for it. Um, so my plan was to wake up in the morning and call the insurance company, take pictures, which I did, obviously, and have them tell me what the next step should be. I went to bed about 11 o'clock, and it was all normal, like, Tree was still falling into my yard, everything. We wake up this morning, it's gone. It's gone, completely gone. And some of my fence has been like put back together. So somewhere between 11 and 6 a.m., my neighbor jumped across my fence and completely removed that tree. I mean, it's gone. It's completely gone somehow, and it was like wedged inside of the fence. So like he clearly had to cut it up and there was no way one person was moving it by themselves. But somehow in silence, because our bedroom window is facing that tree, like just a few paces away was the end of that tree, was our bedroom window. And our neighbor somehow got over my fence into our yard cut the tree up and removed the tree between 11 p.m. last night and 6 a.m. this morning. It is gone. It's completely gone. I mean, and you guys saw that, and again, sorry if you're on podcast, you, you can't see the pictures, but I mean, this is not just some kind of joke. Like, that's a lot. That's a full tree that fell into my yard, and it's gone. It is completely gone, and I can't decide... Like, I, I guess I should thank him. I mean, that's a really nice thing to do. But that also really creeps me out that he was able to get into my yard, remove that tree in silence. It's crazy. Just crazy. I don't, I don't know how to feel about it, if we're being honest. But anyway, so those are my two tornado stories from yesterday. Let's talk a little baseball. The field of 64 came out yesterday, and um, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Southern Miss all in the field. As you can imagine, Southern Miss still um, is on the outside of hosting. Now, we'll see if they made the top 20. So as you guys know, um, the NCAA decided that they were going to pick the regional hosts before the season ended. In fact, they have already done it. They will not release it for another five days, but they have done it. Luckily, they expanded it to 20 teams. So they'll pick 16 out of 20 that they will you know, decide whether or not that they are able to host a regional. We don't know, and we won't know for another few days, if Southern Miss made that top 20. I imagine they're right on the bubble of that top 20. Um, like I said yesterday, unfortunately, I, I do not think that 
Um, the NCAA will award three host sites to the state of Mississippi. Um, maybe that's like crazy tinfoil hat conspiracy stuff. I don't know. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen. They only have 16 sites. They like to try to spread it around. I don't see it happening. I hope it happens, obviously, because, I mean, what a week that would be for us. But uh, either way, I-, I hope they made that cutoff. They're going to be right on the bubble of that, and we'll uh, we'll find out this weekend if they were the ones. But here is the field of 64. I'm obviously not going to read all 64 teams, but uh, a couple of takeaways that I have from Mississippi State's regional, which at the moment does feature Southern Miss. If Southern Miss is not a one seed, you can almost guarantee that they will either be in Oxford or Starkville. You can go ahead and know, basically you can guarantee that. Um, but Arkansas was the number one overall seed. They were across from the 16 East Carolina. Vanderbilt, the number two overall across from the 15 seed. Uh, Pittsburgh, yeah, Pittsburgh's a regional host this year, uh, apparently. Uh, Vanderbilt got, I mean, just a snoozer of a regional with Old Dominion, Georgia Tech, and Wofford. Ugh. I mean, that's... um. Mm-hmm. JP says, did some digging. Charlotte, Louisiana Tech, and Southern Miss submitted bids in the Conference USA. Old Dominion did not. Um, that's good to know. Um, Charlotte has a, a very small facility. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they used or are trying to use where the Knights play downtown as part of their bid, because I don't think their facility has the size uh, to make a regional host work. I could be wrong. It's under a 1,000 people, and especially with COVID restrictions, because the NCAA has decided that 50% capacity is all that we can have, even though states across the country, uh, especially this one in Texas and Florida, have had full capacities and hasn't affected anything. Um, that's what the NCAA has decided. So if you're looking at fewer than 500 people able to attend a regional, I don't think that'll be the case. So I imagine part of their bid, you would think that part of their bid would be involving a different venue, uh, but that's just me. Obviously, Southern Miss has plenty of space and and absolutely the facility to host. And so does Louisiana Tech. They just built a new park. So um, TCU is the number three overall seed. They have Oregon State as the two in that one. That's not fun. Across from Florida being the 14 seed, and they put Florida State in Florida's uh, regional for that. All right, Mississippi State, the number four overall seed. So currently uh, very firmly in the national seed conversation across from Louisiana Tech. So Louisiana Tech is the 13. They put Louisville, the two, in the Louisiana Tech regional. Uh, Dan McDonald last night went on a rant uh, about um, about attendance and how the SEC is doing it and Major League Parks are doing it and why why do I have to limit my crowd capacity? It was, um, as you guys can imagine, you've got the one side of people that are pumping it up and, and loving it and then the other side who um, are calling for him to go to prison. Uh, there's really... N- we are just so polar extreme on literally uh, everything. Um, but anyway, uh, so that's out there. That would be the two in the Louisiana Tech Regional. But Mississippi State, they have Southern Miss the two, like I said, Southern Miss the two, Tulane the three, and Jackson State the four. And one complaint and one positive, if this were to shake out this way, and 
if the past is any kind of sample size, the NCAA, for some reason, really likes to use the word regional as best they can. Like they actually, instead of like the basketball tournament where you have north, south, east, and west, and it doesn't matter where the teams are from, they just kind of put them in the brackets um, for the most part. In baseball, it seems like they do more of actually putting teams like nearby in those regionals. And so that's why you're seeing in this one, Southern Miss, Tulane, and Jackson State. And Mississippi State's played them already this year. That, to me, and and D1's not wrong. Like This is probably something that they will do. That frustrates me. I mean, you've got 64 teams you can move around. Why, why would you have three teams that Mississippi State's played in their regional? Why not send Georgia Tech the two over to Starkville and let Southern Miss go to Florida or, or something like that? Why do you have to keep everything within such close proximity? It's not 1942. Like dry, These players in these schools can travel a little bit further comfortably. It's not like they're riding on a school bus that's 20 years old and the top of the seats are falling apart and they put duct tape on it, but the duct tape is withered away and all the seats are just sticky. That's what I rode to school in. But we don't need to do that like this. I mean, this is boring. Yeah, let's play Tulane again. That's great. Why? Why do you need to do that? Uh, Mix it up. Find teams that haven't played each other. This is supposed to be a national tournament, not a, oh, beat the teams that you've played all year long. And and like you say here, don't forget Ole Miss had Washington a few years ago and the Washington fans loved it. Yes. I mean, it was a destination trip for them and they had a blast. Why don't you do more of that? If you're a Southern Miss fan, you probably would be more likely to go if your regional games are in Starkville, but wouldn't you want to see somewhere else, somewhere you've never been? Wouldn't you want to go to, I don't know, Knoxville or Gainesville or, or Atlanta or something like that instead of, well, just go to Starkville again. I don't know. Um, I hate that. I, I really hate that. And that's how it's going to happen. You guys you guys know it. That's how it's going to happen. Um, but I do think that regional will have some spice to it. Um, with all due respect to Jackson State, uh, between Mississippi State, Tulane, and Southern Miss, uh, there's some blood there. So you remember the Mississippi State-Tulane series it was hot for some reason. I, it was it was hot. You even got John Boy breaking down uh, the Tulane pitcher who got his glove checked because the Mississippi State dugout uh, thought he was putting a substance on his hand, and he he was egging that on. He was purposefully like pretending like he was touching his hand to get something off of it, but there was nothing on it. Like he was egging that on. It was chippy. It was it was almost like a heated rivalry between two teams that aren't rivals at all. So you'll get that. And then, of course, the local connection, Southern Miss and Mississippi State fans, when they play baseball against each other, it's going to be hot in a good way. Like, at least you would have that kind of emotional element attached to a regional featuring teams that have already played each other. I mean, at least you'd get that. But, um, yeah, that's my one gripe and my one positive. My gripe is... We've seen this already this year. It's boring. Mix it up some. But you'll get some spice uh, to a regional like that for sure, Uh, which would be fun. Uh, That would be really fun to see that again. 
And Southern Miss is a team you just don't want to see. You just don't. Not the way they pitch it. Um, they are as deep as a pitching staff as anybody you'll see. And to have them coming in as a two-seed with the way they pitch it and potentially a four-game regional, that's just not who you want to see as your two at all. Um, Notre Dame is the five overall across from Stanford. No SEC teams involved in either one of those. Arizona is the six uh, across from Oregon, the 11, and Georgia would be the three seed in Eugene if uh, this were to be correct. Uh, Knoxville, Tennessee is the number seven overall. Their two is Virginia Tech. Their three is Liberty. Their four is Wright State. And they are across from Old Miss as the 10. Um, and there's been some... I'll get to that in a second, actually. So Ole Miss is the 10 with Charlotte, Clemson, and Moorhead State in their regional. Charlotte, Clemson, Moorhead State. Um, that's a pretty good draw for Ole Miss. I know Clemson just had a – I think they just swept Louisville, right, this past weekend? I think so. Um, but that's a pretty favorable draw uh, for Ole Miss. And clearly, very firmly back inside the uh, the regional hosting um, – they're firmly on the right side of hosting a regional, is what I should have said. And uh, that just goes to show you how important last weekend was. They've got to do it again. Uh, I mean, Texas A&M is a winnable series, one that they've got to have if they want to keep solidifying their position as a regional host. So um, my one gripe with this one, so the positive is this would be a good draw, one that if you're an Ole Miss fan, you'd be happy with, I think. I mean, that's a there are more difficult ones uh, than Charlotte, Clemson, and Moorhead State for sure. Um, but my one gripe is who's in front of them. So Texas is the eight. Now Texas has been hot lately. Almost does have that head-to-head win. Texas would have Miami, Michigan, and Stony Brook in their regional. And Texas Tech is the nine. Um, Texas Tech, Arizona State, Iowa, and Northeastern uh, in that regional. It's just one spot, and it really doesn't make a difference uh, because neither one of them are national seeds. But when you look at the metrics, um, Colin Brister on Twitter pointed this out. Um, When you look at the metrics, Ole Miss is better than Texas Tech in literally everything. They have a head-to-head matchup in which Ole Miss won. Ole Miss's RPI is better. Ole Miss's record versus whatever, however you want to divide it, RPI top 20, RPI top 25, whatever. Ole Miss has better metrics than Texas Tech in literally every category, all of it. They have a better resume completely. There is not one thing that Texas Tech has that is better than Ole Miss right now as far as resume. So why are they ahead? Because let's pretend for a second that Texas loses a series. You would think, you know, everybody moves up one, right? Well, why would Texas Tech then deserve to be a national seed over Ole Miss when they don't have a single metric that is better? I don't I don't understand that. I, I saw that yesterday and was mind-blown. I mean, w- what is the reason for that? There's more season left, of course, but still, why are they ahead? 
For what reason? It's not head-to-head matchup. It's not RPI. It's not record versus whatever, R, you know, RPI top 20, top 50, 75, whatever. Ole Miss is better than Texas Tech in literally everything. Why are they behind them? I don't understand that at all. But um, anyway, JP says, non sequitur. Do you hear A.J. Hawk on Pat McAfee's show? What are your feeling right now towards Aaron Rodgers and Schefter's impeccable timing last Thursday? Um, so I've thought about it a little bit. And I think both of these things can be true at once. I think Green Bay only has themselves to blame. For They only have themselves to blame because Aaron Rodgers only has a few years left in his career. Um, he has won a Super Bowl, but that's it. One Super Bowl. He has seen quarterbacks in other places, Tom Brady, move from New England to Tampa and really get a lot of say and personnel decisions and offense and stuff like that. Drew Brees had that kind of respect in New Orleans and on and on and on. Green Bay has not, for almost a decade now, drafted him any help on offense. Other teams are signing big-time free agent wide receivers or drafting wide receivers or running backs in the first round and really bolstering an offense to try to help their quarterback. Green Bay has not done that. If you look at their draft classes, it's going to be very confusing for you. You've got a quarterback that is on the back half of his career, but still playing at a high level, and you don't give him help. And then last year, you you decide to go with Jordan Love when Rodgers is still playing like he's in his prime. Instead of getting a wide receiver, which you could have gotten, instead of getting him help, you draft his replacement. So of course he's going to be mad. Uh, Of course he's going to be mad about that. I I would be. You don't help me at all. I mean, uh, you guys probably have experienced this at some point in your lives at work or whatever, where you're in a situation where you're not getting help, that, that you're not getting the best resources to succeed at what you're doing. It's a pretty common feeling. Um, that's happening to Rogers. They're not doing the best they can to give him resources to be successful. So if I were him, I would also, I would want out. But the way he's going about this is wrong. Uh, And maybe he's just been fed up with it. I don't know. But this, the the timing with Schefter on Thursday, um, that, that was targeted. I mean, instead of trying to operate in, in good faith with his team, and maybe he's tried that, uh, but instead of trying to get this thing done and do it the right way behind the scenes with your team that won you a Super Bowl, that pays you a lot of money, you go out like this and kind of burning everything down behind you as you go, that's not the best way to go about it. So I understand why he's frustrated. I would be because they haven't done enough around him. I want the Saints to trade for him today. Give up two first-round picks. Give him Jameis. I mean, you know, do what you got to do to get him. But he's gone about this the wrong way. Completely the wrong way. And now you've got a damaged relationship. And if the team doesn't trade him, what's he going to do? Is he going to retire? Is he just going to not play? I mean, the the whole thing is toxic and, and damaging. There's ways to get what you want or what you think you deserve that don't, go down like what happened this past week. So, um, I get asked about, uh, wrong one. 
Uh, if I've read the Deadspin article about Jackson State in, in 21, I have not. Um, I will seek that out. I honestly have no idea what you're talking about, so I, I will uh, I will seek that out for sure. Anytime I can read about Jackson State, I will. Um, you also ask, are you all in on the Jameis project this year? I'm personally excited. Me too. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in. I, I think that there's a lot of ability there. And if what he said in his first press conference after he signed his new contract uh, about Drew Brees is real, um, then maybe he has turned a corner. Because the talent, the ability is absolutely there. He's in California right now working out um, with a handful of Saints receivers, including Troutman, the new tight end. Uh, the guy they drafted last year from Dayton, and now that Jared Cook's gone. and Not Dayton. Yeah, it was Dayton, right? Yeah, it was Dayton. Um, but they're out there working out right now together. Um, I did not want, and I was glad to see that the Saints were unsuccessful in trying to trade up to get Mac Jones because, I, like I said yesterday, I'm not convinced uh, at all that Mac Jones would be any kind of an upgrade. I mean, for all the jokes about Jameis and the crab legs and stuff like that and the 30 interceptions, he threw for 5,000 yards in an NFL season. Like, the guy can play. And mortgaging a handful of draft picks, which is what you would have to have done, including next year's first round to move up to get Mac Jones, I think that would have been a mistake. That would have completely been a mistake. Why would you invest two years into Jameis when you're going to – trade up to draft Mac Jones. That, that just that doesn't make any sense to me. It never did, so I'm glad it didn't happen. I think he's got the ability. I mean, it's a win-win for the team, right? They're not locked into a long-term deal with him. It's an incentive-laden contract. So if it doesn't work, then they can just simply move on. Um, but if it does, he'll want to stay with you forever, and I think he's got the ability to win games. I mean, the, the raw ability is there. So um, I'm excited. I hope he makes the best of his second chance. Um, but that press conference, man, um, he showed a lot of maturity and, uh, hopefully, um, hopefully it is, uh, it is real. JP says, could you imagine the feeling in Packers fans guts Favre and now Rogers, some franchises had never had two quarterbacks of that caliber. Yeah. You're not kidding. I mean, I'd be furious with my front office. I would. I mean, could you imagine having a guy like Rogers and, and, not doing what you can to maximize that. I mean, the Jordan Love pick last year, I, I would have, I would have thrown something. What, what are you doing? Why would you do that? And then this year, so you go into the draft. I, I know Aaron Rodgers started a news cycle to to get at you, right? Like he he stabbed you in the back. That the the timing of that report on the night of the draft was a PR move. It was a posturing move. It was a leverage move from Aaron Rodgers and his agent or whoever leaked that to Schefter. It was a leverage move. There's no doubt about it. But the Packers want to keep him because why wouldn't you? He just had an MVP season. Instead of doing the whole I'm the captain thing, why didn't they try to get a wide receiver? which is all he's really asked for. Maybe the relationship has been so tainted that it didn't matter, but Green Bay wants to make things right with Aaron Rodgers. And they used their first-round pick on a project defensive back that probably won't be an instant impact guy. 
You've got a disgruntled quarterback that is winning the news cycle because he wants offensive help and you don't give it to him. And you draft a defensive back. If I was Green Bay, I'd do whatever I could to save it. I would trade Jordan Love if somebody would be willing to take him. I would have not drafted a DB in the first round and um, actually shown that I wanted to keep a guy like that. But that's why they're in this situation. Again, it's their fault. It's self-inflicted. I don't like the way Rodgers is handling it, but um, it's self-inflicted. So... Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Glad to to see that you guys are safe after what was a pretty brutal day yesterday. And um, thank you for tuning in. Check out the radio show in the afternoon. uh, If you can stomach listening to Richard Cross. And I will see you guys uh, tomorrow morning. Mississippi Media Production.